Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly podcast from the team at Tech Advisor. I am, as ever, your host, Dom, uh, joined this week by Toddy and Lewis. Hello. How are you both doing? All right. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's been a quiet week this week, I think, it's been a quiet which I'm appreciating. Week. Yeah, I've enjoyed yeah. it. appreciate it, yeah. Toddy and I actually had the time to see each other in the flesh yesterday. It was weird. Uh, which, I haven't seen you since last year. I was about to say, it must be months since we've actually seen each other in person. Uh, I don't yeah. know how long. Yeah, I think the last time I saw you two was September. Was the last time I saw you two in person, Probably the same for Dom and I. Yeah, yeah. yeah until probably yesterday, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, wow. Very Crazy strange. times going out into the world. <laughs> we weren't even doing it for work. We didn't even like meet up in the office or anything. We just went to see Spider Man. But you know, yeah. I mean, it's good. If there's ever an excuse, I know. Right. I'll take <laughs> yeah. any excuse to go see Spider Man. To be honest, uh, right? Phones, I guess. Phone stuff. Uh, today, as Lewis said, it has been a little bit of a quieter week. So we are taking advantage of that to do a, a little bit of uh, house cleaning, I guess. So first up, um, I'm going to be talking about the Vivo V23 Pro, which I've got right here. Might chat a little bit about the regular model as well, which I've got handily next to me. Um, so I w I've been using the V23 Pro for a week, week and a half. So I'm ready to give give some review thoughts on on this mid-range Vivo that's only out in India right now. Maybe some other Asian markets, I'm not sure. But we have been told is coming to Europe and uh, the Middle East and places like that later in the year. We just don't know when. After that, we are going to turn to all things Galaxy S22 and maybe just a little bit of Tab S8 while we're there, uh, because we now think we are two, two and a half, three weeks, something like that, away from the date when the phone is going to launch, based on the latest rumours. Uh, plus, this week, Samsung unveiled the Exynos 2200, which is the chipset that will power the S22 in some markets, because you know what Samsung's like with its Exynos chips. So, <laughs> still, we know a little bit more about the phone now, in some official sense, even though... I don't even think Samsung officially said that this chip will be in the S22. We just sort of all, all know it will be, won't it? And then finally, since we're looking at what Samsung has got lined up over the next couple of months, it's only fair to do the same for Apple. So Lewis is going to talk us through what we think Apple might be launching this spring, especially because the last week or so we've seen a little mini flurry of, of new rumors, leaks, and details about the next iPhone SE phone that might be coming and an iPad Air and maybe some other bits I don't even really know, but Lewis does, so that's fine. Gonna be fun. <laughs> uh, right, before we get there, gonna rush through the little bits and pieces we've had of news this week. So it has actually been an interesting one. Uh, even setting aside the biggest like acquisition in the games industry's history, which doesn't have much direct impact on phone stuff outside of Game Pass, but still, wow. Um, while we are on game stuff, though, there is some, some news there. Um, one little oddity is... Um, after Windows 11 promised the ability to run Android apps, which hasn't really yet materialized, uh, we're now sort of seeing that happen from the other direction in a way, which is that Google has launched a beta to play some Android games in Windows 11, specifically through this branch called Window, uh, sorry, Google Play Games. Um, this is only available in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and South Korea so far, and there are only 12 games on the service, but, you know, baby steps. Um, but yeah, so we're sort of at the beginning of this path where you start seeing Android games playable on, on Windows. Uh, no doubt this is going to then lead to horrendous discussions down the line about uh, cheating and fairness and who's using touchscreen <laughs> and who's using a mouse and keyboard to play Call of Duty yeah. Mobile and stuff like that, which uh, I cannot that's imagine. Weird, I was say, that's already a massive problem in, in PUBG and Call of Duty Mobile when yep. you use BlueStacks on a, on a PC. It's only getting worse Not from nice. here. 
Um, <laughs> on a sort of related note, we had a little oddity this week in that Fortnite came back to iPhones in a sort of <laughs> roundabout way, which is to say you can technically once again play Fortnite on iOS, uh, but Apple didn't really have very much to do with it. Um, but no. yeah, Lewis, you, you'll, you'll know more, more about this than me, but basically Fortnite has been added into the NVIDIA GeForce Now yeah, so it's it's actually um, quite a unique one because um, it's it's in GeForce now, but it's also uh, bringing back the touch controls uh, that they had for the iOS version, and that hasn't been done for anything on GeForce now. It's up until this point, it's just keyboard and mouse or gamepad input. But for Fortnite, they're like, right, we need to bring back the the essential mobile mm. experience. So yeah, they're 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 um, they're testing out at the moment. It's a closed beta. You can apply anyone that's subscribed to any tier of GeForce now, including the free tier. So. Uh, anyone can apply and they'll be adding people to the beta over the next few weeks uh, with the aim, I imagine, of rolling out in the next couple of months. I mean, you can't... It's hard to imagine a much better sales pitch for GeForce Now once they get this up and running oh, yeah. than this is how you play Fortnite on your iPhone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting as well because they teased that they're working with other publishers to bring this kind of thing to mobile as well. So there is a possibility that GeForce Now will start rolling out you know, AAA PC games with touchscreen controller support so that's a an interesting development <laughs> having used the experimental touch controls from stadia on AAA titles on mobile that's not it's actually not a great selling <laughs> point because <laughs> no, it's, it's horrible not. but uh, there are fortnite, people that love it yeah yeah sure they, i'm know, sure for certain people it has its value and for fortnite yeah. there's already just, there's always controls this... designed for yes, it it's exactly. yeah. a bit easier yeah yeah, yeah. I just always remember, you know, because I was always like, no, nope, controller, I can't use touchscreen controls for games like that. It's just too many buttons on screen, can't find them. Who who does that? Nobody does that. And then I saw a video of this guy, this kid must have been about eight years old, and he's just both hands hover over every single button, and he's getting oh these God. battle royales on Fortnite. And I'm like, this is what I have to compete against. I can't do this. <laughs> I was just wondering how quickly Apple's legal team was like hovering over the kill switch and being like, can we do we anything? Have any way Should of getting in the way of this? Yeah. I mean, they, they've really shot themselves in the foot because they're like, you know what? Do a web app. It's nothing to do with us, okay? You yeah, can exactly. do what you want if you yeah. do a web app. And now they're like, oh, damn, we've got nothing they can, we can do about this yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All that stuff about the sanctity of iPhones as a safe environment. But they yeah. just said, like, yeah, if you do it in a web app, you can do whatever. And now, I'll cool, it's all right. Well, Go yeah, crazy. Totally wild west. You just have Let's to get Fortnite back. Safari first. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Um, moving on, if you thought we were past the days of 5G conspiracy theories, then I have bad news for you, because uh, coming up soon, 5G crashing planes. Uh, this is the news that this week, um, Emirates and some other airlines have stopped running some services in the US because of the 5G towers being installed in and around airports. And this is specifically an American problem, it's the specific frequencies that are being allowed for 5G in the States, that specifically close enough to airports, they can interfere with the radar altimeters in planes, which means the planes do not have a clear sense of how close to the ground they are as they are trying to land their plane. So not very crucial info then? No, yeah, I, I think this is the kind of thing you just wing it if you don't have, right? You can just eyeball it, look out the window, like I think I'm about 10 foot off the ground now. Well, no, because the problem is, is that they have two types of altimeter, but this is the one that they use when they have no visibility. So it's specifically for the cases uh, where looking out the window won't help. Cool, we'll check this thing. <laughs> so if that bit doesn't work, you yeah, really are. Yeah, that's a bit scary. Uh, so yeah, it, it's an interesting one that there's a uh, few airlines have basically said, I think it's specific planes, because Emirates made a mention that it was a, uh, 
their 777s that they were not not using. So I'm sure different planes have different radar itemeters that use different frequencies and those get the interference works in different ways. Um, there was even a complaint in there that part of the problem was that the 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 five G antenna of being installed such that they point directly up rather than at a slant, and that that makes it worse. So this sounds like a very mm. fixable problem, whether it's by adjusting yeah. the position of these things or changing the frequencies. <laughs> but yeah, it's been something that's been brewing for a while and now has kind of exploded. Where there's a lot of complaint that basically the US has been selling off frequencies without taking due care to check that they won't crash airplanes. Um, Although, yeah, to be clear, 5G has not made anything actually no. explode. <laughs> not yet. Give it time. <laughs> yeah. uh, on to some actual phones. Uh, we had a leak today, or not today, a leak this week, suggesting that the OnePlus 10 Pro is arriving globally in March, which isn't too wild. What's interesting about that is that that probably means it's not coming at MWC, if that's correct. Because MWC uh, starts right at the end of February, and it does run into March, but all the announcements is probably going to be in those last couple of days of February. So a March announcement means not an MWC announcement, probably. What's also interesting is that same report said that before we get the OnePlus 10 Pro, there's another two OnePlus phones that are going to launch. The Nord N20 is going to arrive in Europe in February, apparently, so that'll be another budget entry. And the Nord CE2, or Nord 2 CE, no one seems to agree which way around they're going to do it, is going to launch in India in February. That's a funny one because the... Nord CE came to Europe as well, but we've only had mention of India for the, the CE2 from this leak at least. So maybe that means that that one's going to be a narrower launch. I'm not sure. But anyway, but multiple OnePlus phones imminent, um, along with talk that there's going to be more headphones, a new smart TV coming, um, earbuds, neckbands. So lots of OnePlus stuff launching over the next month or two. So it's going to be a busy time for them, apparently. And on a related note, we've also had a flurry of Oppo Find X5 leaks this week. Um, I think we already mentioned on the show that the, the news that it looks like it's going to be the X5 series not the X4 series uh, because of the Chinese superstition around the number 4. What we've heard this week is a few little interesting tidbits. One, we've had sort of full spec dumps for the Find X5 Pro and the Find X5, which most interestingly reveal that fundamentally they have the exact the Pro model has the exact same specs as the OnePlus 10 Pro, except for the camera. Camera's a bit different, which we would expect, but everything else, the display is the same, the charging speeds are the same, the dimensions look to be about the same. So one of those little fears you may have had about the OnePlus Oppo stuff seems to be, yeah, it looks like they're pushing out basically the same phone with a different camera module. Um, even the camera module, so we've had a first live photo of what someone claims is an, an Oppo Find X5 Pro. And it features a very prominent Hasselblad logo. So that USP that OnePlus had for its camera uh, may not be such a USP anymore because it looks like Oppo didn't want OnePlus stealing all the glory of its uh, big high-profile camera collab. So yeah, the Find X5 and Find X5 Pro might also have Hasselblad cameras, which more than anything just leaves them at a state where you kind of look and say... These are the same phone broadly, and and you have to wonder where where these companies are going and and what the plan is here because the differentiation is is rapidly diminishing. But all speculation for now till it gets announced. But yeah, um, I'm. I, I like it. I know. I think we've we've all made our no. thoughts clear on this. Yeah. We're, we're not fans of the mm -hmm. way these are emerging, especially I'm disappointed with the Find X5 Pro 
because the Find X3 Pro was an interesting phone and an unusual phone, certainly in terms of its camera, it had that micro lens and stuff like that. And everything yeah. we've seen about the Find X5 Pro is that it's not going to be as interesting. That micro lens seems to be gone. It's now just a regular wide, you know, main ultra wide telephoto triple camera setup. Um, it looks to be, you know, very similar in creating, to the OnePlus. It's creating a sort of ebb and flow for the Find X series because the original Find X was very experimental mm. at the time, having those pop up top with all the cameras hidden behind the pop up segment and having a kind of near edge to edge display, curved edge display, which Oppo hadn't really done at the time. Then the Find X2 felt very kind of by the book flagship. And then the Find X3 got a little bit crazy. Yeah. And then now we're hearing the X5 is going to go back to this kind of more mundane, I guess, if you will, um, assortment of mundane features. Mundane is a so, good, yeah. good And it's a shame because I think it's pretty common in this space to have this kind of ebb and flow in terms of how how much a, a, a series pushes the boat out. And you expect to have those, you know, you have big years where lots of stuff changes and then they're normally followed by a slow year where you just get, you know, the chipset changes, the display gets a bit better, and that's kind of it. We see it every time with iPhone. There's good iPhone years and bad iPhone years, where by bad, what we mean is they didn't really change all that much from last year. And every company has it. It's the same with Samsung, and we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but what's a shame here is it's not just that it's, oh, it's the same as the, the one from last year. It's actually they've taken away bits that were interesting about the one last year to make it much more generic. All leaks, we'll see. Hopefully that will be announced um, also probably March-ish. I, I think this one might be MWC. If, if OnePlus is missing MWC and doing March, I reckon Oppo might do an MWC reveal for this one, but uh, we haven't had any actual solid leaks on dates for it, so we will see. Cool, right, let's get into the first segment. We're going to be talking about the Vivo V23 Pro, which I have right here. Uh, we've spoken about this show before. Sorry, we've spoken about this in the show before. Only very briefly, though, just kind of to, to acknowledge its existence. But yeah, this is the latest in Vivo's mid-range V-series. If you're not familiar with the Vivo V-series, they're phones that basically tend to focus on a slim and light design and kind of looking quite pretty and having excellent selfie cameras. I think those are the kind of the twin pillars of what Vivo looks at and thinks of as a, as a V-phone. And you can kind of, from that, probably glean the kind of market they're trying to attract here where it's solid specs, but not spec-obsessed. Looks nice, very slim, takes excellent selfies. Pretty easy pitch, you can kind of see. Um, the, the, the design hook on this one is the color-changing stuff. So this is the sunshine gold color. You can also get it in black, but you know it's a bit boring. And I don't know if I'm going to get it to do it in the light, given the room I'm in. But in certain lighting, it looks absolutely perfectly turquoise. And of course, I can't do it on the camera to save my life right now. Really? Um, but... If you get it in sunlight, it is color. It is reactive to light, and it changes to turquoise. And what, what I didn't realize, even in my first week or so using the phone, it got pointed out by Ben Sin online. Um, it's not just that it kind of shimmers in the light, like we've seen glass that kind of looks like it changes color a little bit. There is actually a reaction going on that lasts a bit of time. So if you leave it next to a light source or next to a window, and you put like something on top of the back of the phone that's kind of blocking a bit of it, then leave it for a couple of minutes, take it back, take that thing off. It would have left a the shape, the silhouette of that object Ooh. in it. And it would, so it's... you'll see the blue around that shape, the gold where it was blocked off. Oh, I like it, this. Is it light or heat? Is it, is it photochromic or thermochromic? 
they it, haven't. It like if you hold it, I think it's just light. They certainly haven't gone into the details of the science of what they've done. At least yeah. not that I've made sense of. Uh, it seems I mean, to I've just never be seen light. That. I've only seen they're, they're not not encouraging. Just saying that. Yeah, leave your phone out in certain direct sunlight. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, see what happens. <laughs> no, maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I could think of like I think was it in India the Realme Eight pro i think came in like a glow in the dark option yeah and i think one of the oppo renos also had a similar it, effect in, in certain markets it certainly feels similar to glow in the dark in that way that you can kind of say yeah you leave it and it's charged a bit by the light Charging and that up, kind of yeah. thing so mm. i assume that however this works it's probably roughly the same principles as the glow in the dark paint stuff is this a feature that is worth sticking around would you say as a design element like we've had phones that all jump on the same bag and wagon of having fun reflective back and patterns on the back for example mm. um or like different textures is this another thing that like it would be nice to see crop up from time to time or do you think it's just a flash in the pan totally i think it's cool i mean i don't want every phone to look like this i'd like to see people mm. play around with different colors uh, golden turquoise is probably not the combo i would immediately jump mm. for myself the press image when it shows it in its full turquoise guys, but still with the gold camera island, I hate that doesn't that. change. Yes, the camera island doesn't change. That stays gold. Yeah. Yeah. And I would posit that that color combination of gold and turquoise is not a no. particularly complementary pair. I don't either. love it. So yeah, yeah, things like that, the particular colors they go <laughs> yeah. for, I'm like, oh, it doesn't really but the concept work for is me, cool. but the concept is very yeah. cool. Um, I mean, it's something we're seeing on cars and other tech now as well. Right? We saw the uh, the, cha- the color changing BMW at CES. Oh, yes, the, uh, was, the uh, iX Flow or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. going to come into a phone um, at some point now. Surely, hundred percent. The black model of the V twenty three Pro, I don't think, has this color changing attribute. I think it's only on the I gold don't version. Think so from, yeah, I, I don't have the black one, but from my understanding, the yeah. black one just. If they made black. that go red, black and red, Ooh, yeah. classic combo. Cool. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Gold and blue. Mm. Just like a, blue. But, a dark but, yeah. blue nice one yeah 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 <laughs> yeah asus i think had a whole prestige line of laptops that were just dark blue with asus gold loves bits dark on. blue with gold bits Looks my favorite good. ipad yeah. combo is is gold and, and navy blue case mm. just, oh nice something oh, about it yeah, yeah. uh but yeah, yeah so slightly yeah. silly colors perhaps but the color changing thing is cool it's a shame for the people on youtube i just cannot make it work in this lighting at all it won't go um also, I mean, you know, I mentioned thinner light. A lot of Vivo phones have this, but this is a really thinner light handset for what it is. It's a big 6.6 inch display or something like that. But the whole phone is 171 grams, I think, which, well, wow. you know, for a phone What's with a screen, screen that size? size, it's 6.6, 6.56, mm-hmm. 6.56. Yep. Uh, and a weight of 171 grams and it's 7.4 millimeters thick. So nice. it's a very slim, petite phone. Uh, that makes you worry about overheating, but I haven't seen that at all, either in usage or in the benchmarks that I ran on it. So it seems to handle the heat management fine despite that. And yeah, it, it's one of those things, especially because it's got curved edges. I think it just makes it, it feels very thin, very light, very comfortable to hold, despite being quite a large phone, which I'm a big fan of in terms of the hand feel of, of handsets. I like really slim phones. Um, so you're not a big fan of, I guess, the V23, but also the, the iPhone since the 12 series yeah so yeah so this is the regular v23 here which um you can see has the exact same finish it also does the color changing stuff but yeah it's got these kind of flat square iphone sides and they're actually the same thickness but the v23 feels a lot thicker because of the sides um i think it works a bit better than the iphone because as you know lots of people have said before me the iphone is wide 
and this is still kind of android proportions where it's a little slimmer so i don't mind mm. the the squared off sides on the on the regular v23 as much but yeah it's a big difference to how thin the handsets feel and so i much prefer the handful of the pro and i can see while i find it odd that they look so different within the same line i can totally see why they went for the curved the curved stuff on the pro model because it really does to me feel a lot more premium like that um, and i like it a lot more you know, I, I forgot how nice that lightweight phones just feel yeah. in the hand. Um, mm. Like, you know, we, we've gotten so used to big screen phones and me, especially with the iPhone 13 Pro Max, like you don't get much heavier than that. Um, but I picked up, I think, I can't remember what Galaxy it was. It was a Samsung Galaxy from around 2017. It's just this small, lightweight thing in my hand. And I was just like, wow. Mm. Like, it's just so nice to not have that extra chunk in the hand, you know, when you're using it all the time. And it's, it's like the difference yeah, of just... when you take your case off your phone, having had a case on it yeah. for forever, and you yeah. take your case off and you're, oh my god, my phone's so nice. <laughs> but it's I so never much know. nicer. <laughs> but it's the forbidden. Yeah. You cannot take the case off forever. If you leave the house, you yeah, must I'm, I'm playing a dangerous game at the moment. That's for so sure. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so that's the design side. Then I think the other hook here is the selfie camera. Um, so what they've opted for on the V23 Pro, and I think it's actually the exact same camera setup on the regular V23 is a dual selfie camera, which uh, nets you a 50 megapixel main camera with an 8 megapixel ultra wide. Um, I've got to admit, <clears throat> this is where I begin to pull apart from this phone a little bit, because the 50 megapixel main selfie camera is genuinely very good. The 8 megapixel ultra wide is about as poor as you would expect an 8 megapixel <laughs> ultra wide selfie camera to be. Like we've seen this kind of yeah. dual setup before. Most manufacturers have moved away from it, and it certainly doesn't scream this will be amazing at selfies because, yeah, having an ultra-wide option can be nice, but the quality drops off really sharply, and, you know, you can tell you're only going to want to use the ultra-wide when you really have a big group of people. Most of the time, it's just nowhere near as good. It's also a little frustrating, perhaps, because the V21, which was actually the last phone in this series, there wasn't a V22, and I could not tell you why. I do not know not why they China, skipped that. Four, so. I yeah, say, yeah, I have no awareness <laughs> of 22 being an unlucky number or having any other reason not to go for it. The best I could come up with was they didn't want to put out a V22 right as Samsung put out an S22 and look like they were copying them or something. Or they wanted to look like theirs is more modern than the S22 because it's got a bigger number. I don't know. That's all I could get to. We are better. Anyway, <laughs> the previous phone was the V21. And the hook the V21 had, and, and I didn't test the V21 myself. We have a review, but it wasn't by me or any of us on the show. But that has OIS on the selfie camera. And it's the only smartphone to have OIS on the selfie camera, at least as far as I'm aware. And Vivo certainly advertised mm. it as the only one. And Unless you want to get technical with the uh, the Zen Flip, uh, the Zenfone 8 Flip. Okay, yes. There are <laughs> the ones that have, on the front. you know, flipping, that don't <laughs> use selfie cameras. They just use the rear cameras for the selfie and things like that. But in terms of phones that have a dedicated front-facing camera, it's the only one with OIS. And that's a genuinely good hook. And I, you know, I think our, our review of the V21 liked the camera a lot. And that opens up stuff like you can suddenly get good night mode shots once you have OIS involved. That's the oh, really selfie, big game yeah. changer these days. So properly good night mode selfies is just something not many phones can deliver. Even the best camera phones out there, try and take a night mode selfie and you're probably going to be quite frustrated by what you get out of it. Yeah. So I was really disappointed to see that that isn't included here. And I think it's because this was technically the S12 Pro in China and they've rebranded it for the Western market. So this didn't start out as a V-series phone. And 
I can't help but think there's going to be a V24, and that probably will have the OIS in, right, and that will be right. the actual successors to the V21. Uh, and this is kind of a stopgap where they were like, oh, we got another phone with a decent selfie camera. Let's throw it out. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe not. Maybe the OIS didn't work as well as they wanted. Maybe it was prohibitively expensive to include it. And that's why it's gone. I'm not sure. But either way, I'm a bit sad to see it gone. And it does make me feel like this is a good selfie camera. But I do wonder if the last one was maybe even a better selfie camera than this one. And certainly that at least had a unique selfie camera in a way that this one just doesn't. Yeah. And to your point about the dual sensors and how obviously there's obviously a numerical disparity between those two sensors. Um, And I think part of the reason why phones are dropping a dual sensor setup is you can get a good, like the Pixel 6 Pro, I didn't realize until I reviewed it, but it has one sensor, whereas I think the 3XL had dual sensors on the front. Um, but what it does, it just crops in on the sensor. And I think if you have a big enough sensor, what's up? Yeah. Then I think that's totally fine. Make the field of view on that front sensor wider than it needs to be and just crop Mm -hmm. in with 50 megs. You can crop in without losing quality to a point where it's like rubbish, unusable. One, one sensor, Um, make it an ultra wide or somewhere between what we consider a wide and ultra wide, Mm -hmm. but crop in by default and the option to show the full, full amount when you want to do that. Again, loads of phones do this. Yeah, I was about to say, the iPhone does this. It's one of my favorite things is just have that one camera and just easy. You know, it's not a dramatic crop. but The only thing I was wondering is, does the 8 meg get used for depth in portrait mode if you're taking a portrait selfie? Maybe. It probably does. I mean, if you've got it there, I'm sure you factor it in when you're doing that. But I think the AI portrait stuff has gotten good enough that I don't know how much that matters anymore. Yeah. I think we've seen it's more about edge detection now, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, the very mode. the very best edge detection is going to come when you have multiple lenses to draw from. But I think a lot of you can get a lot of very good portrait effects from from pure AI and a single lens. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that would be a real reason to rush out and go for a second a second sensor. So it's a bit of a shame. It, you know, that said, the, the the sensor, the main selfie sensor here is very good in good light and decent at night. But you get that softness at light that you just you know, you need OIS to compensate for to give you those crisp night mode shots, and it just can't deliver that. Does it have a selfie flash or two or something? Is that a thing I saw, or is that a different device? Am I making that up? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. It hasn't flashed at me when I've taken selfies at night, but <laughs> uh, I may just have had flash turned off. Images. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I didn't read the specs, but on the Indian website, I thought I saw an image with, with selfie flashes. But I mean, regardless. Typically, even so, I wouldn't want LED flashes on phones. Oh, yes, than a flash. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) If you're giving me the choice between those, uh, looking at the spectrum, yeah, it does have a a flash on the on the front facing camera. So I guess that's designed to help. But yeah, I don't want that. I mean, I turn my flash off on the rear camera 99% of the time anyway. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I used a flash. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's a torch. It's not a flash anymore. It's just a torch. That's all I use it for. Uh, In terms of the rear setup, you've got 108 megapixel main sensor then another eight megapixel ultra wide and a really pointless two megapixel macro um these are it's kind of similar the main sensor is pretty good uh, you know i think again for a mid-range camera this is a very very solid main sensor vivo has excellent color science and and uh, kind of algorithmic stuff on its cameras so, you know I, I was reviewing the x70 pro plus before and i would still maintain that's one of the top three phone cameras in the world right now and, and has a legit claim to be the best right now but i'm not sure 
but um, this, kind of spoiled though, coming from that town yes, to the. This is not the, the same. Uh, this is not as good as the X70 Pro. <laughs> not Plus. quite. But it is a very is a decent main camera. I think, especially for the yeah. kind of price point this is at. It's only out in India so far. I can't remember the rupee price off the top of my head, but it converts to around four five hundred dollars, that kind of area. Yeah. Um, for that price, rupees. very very solid main camera. Happy with it. But again, the ultra wide is. Eh, you're not really going to want to rely on it too much. And no telephoto or anything like that. So it's a fine rear camera setup, but but nothing special. Both models hover around 40,000 rupees. Yeah, like right. above and below 40,000 rupees. For those curious. So, yeah, it's a funny phone. I've, I reviewed the V20 a couple of years ago, and I loved that phone. Really, really loved it for what it offered. And was very excited about the V21 because the OIS, and it was, I was actually disappointed to not get to review that one myself, that it went to someone else on the team because I was really curious to see what they would pull off here. So I was excited to get the V23 and especially to see a Pro model because it's the first Pro they've done in this series. And I just feel a little disappointed by it because it's, it's fine, it's good. I don't think anyone would be disappointed by this phone, but I equally don't think it's going to make anyone fall in love with Vivo. I don't think mm. it's got any one thing that's really going to make me say... That it's a good choice above, say, a Nord 2, you know, yeah. around the same price. And, you know, that is one of the problem when you have that one really good phone in that price segment and like the Nord was before the Nord 2 is now. You're always kind of in a way reviewing stuff around this price, being like, well, why would I tell someone to buy this and not that? <laughs> and I don't know. Everything yeah, this is probably a slightly yeah. better selfie camera yeah. than the Nord 2, but is it enough better? To justify the and fact it's that it's a bit worse on other bits. Similar chipset. It's the same. It's Dimensity tech. 1200. Um, right. Yeah, so they've got the same chip. Uh, this is only a 90 hertz display, but it mm. is AMOLED. So it's a good display. Yeah, that means it's you get in display fingerprint sensor as well because it's AMOLED and LCD. Uh, and, you know, at this kind of price, you'd maybe hope for 120 hertz AMOLED, but I think 90 hertz AMOLED is fine. I think that might be what the Nord 2 has. Certainly the first Nord was 90 hertz. I can't remember about the second one. So, oh, you know, I'm not knocking them too hard for that. Um, the other oddity on this phone, which which caught my eye, is that the screen does have a protective coating. The The back is also glass, but doesn't have a protective coating, at least not an advertised one. The front doesn't have Corning Gorilla Glass. Instead, it has shot Zensation Alpha coating, Oof. which I is have never come like across. an X or something? Yes. Oh, I could hear exactly. it. I could hear the X. X E N S A, you know, and so oh, on. No. sensation. And then the alpha symbol, uh, you know, the Greek letter. Oh, I hate it. I hate everything. It's, it's about actually it. the, the, the letter, not the word. <laughs> yeah, I had oh. never even I didn't even realise Shot made a protective glass for phones and stuff. Interesting because, you know, Corning has an absolute monopoly on that market. Oh yeah. So I'm not I against heard a phone use, like... coming in. Yeah, Dragon Trail is like the last other brand or like sub brand of glass right. I can think of on phone screens. And then obviously Apple's ceramic shield, but that's yeah. Apple. Yeah. But that's Apple. They do everything themselves. <laughs> is isn't that a Corning collaboration anyway, or am I getting modeled? Oh, yeah. is it? I, I, think, think, I think I think yeah. it is. Yeah, I think they I think did have something to do with it, to be fair, yeah. Um because that's why there was in speculation that Victus, which is the you know, the best grid of glass elsewhere, is is how similar is that to ceramic shield? Is it the same thing but one has an Apple branding on? Um but yeah, so so I, I have no metric to compare Zensation Alpha to grades of Gorilla Glass. I uh, have no idea w whether it would be better or worse than some, and I'll have to look into that. But you have to get your hammer out. I just start whacking. Give it a good test. We'll see. Um, yeah, so I like this phone, but I wanted to love this phone. 
and you know yeah. it's, fallen, it's fallen a little short of love for me but uh, a lot will depend on the pricing when it hits european markets as well in terms of for european customers at least because vivo sometimes has recently priced its phones always a little bit higher than i think it should for its mm. european releases and if they do the same here yeah. then i'd i'd really struggle to recommend it in europe if it comes in at like 600 or something which is where i would worry they'd put it um but, a bit too high yeah if it's around the yeah. same as a nord 2 i think it's a worthy consideration it's got broadly similar specs and if you know if you like the design and if you know you take a lot of selfies it's got that edge to it but there's just enough other little niggles and annoyances um and you've got to put up with vivo software fun touch os which is i was going to ask fine. is that any better I, this is Same. another Asian handset, and traditionally they have been much worse for bloatware and pre-install ads and stuff like that. Um, this feels better than the last Vivos I looked at that had been sent to me uh, that were Indian units. Cool. So it, I feel like maybe they must be try reacting to that, that criticism and, and pulling some of that stuff out, which is a good thing. Um, I hope that is the case, and uh, I hope that continues, if so. You know, because the, the software they run in Europe is basically the same. They just don't put any of the bloatware or ads in, which makes it yeah. a lot better. Still not my favorite Android I mean, I'll skin take it by a long way, but <laughs> yeah. it's a lot more usable. I still don't understand why they built a whole new OS for China, Origin OS, and a year and a half later, it's still not even appeared in Indian versions of the phone or, or anything. I mean, is it is it governmental, like some sort of specific things that they want? in the os or don't want it in the os based on what fun touch was offering i don't know when i i interviewed someone from vivo europe about a year ago about it, i did ask kind of oh you know i think this was before the x60 came out i think i was asking i is the european x60 release going to have origin os um and what they said at the time was basically that they think origin os this was about a year ago and at the time they thought origin os would make its way to europe eventually but not anytime soon and the way they talked about it made it sound like it was more a sense of recognizing different software preferences between the Chinese and European markets or, or the Chinese and global markets and a sense that they had built and designed Origin for the Chinese market and did not necessarily think it would go down well globally. So wanted to, you know, optimize a version for, for global markets before they before they pushed it out any further. Which makes a lot of sense because, you know, a lot of the headaches yeah. people have had with Xiaomi software and Oppo software over the years has been this sense of there are different preferences in different parts of the world and software designed by and for a Chinese Chinese users often, you know, doesn't go down well at all in, in Europe and, and the States. So in a way, it's nice to see a company really acknowledge that and be like, yeah, well, we've got this software people love in China, but we don't think people will love it in India and Europe. But again, I'm surprised it's a year and a half and they still haven't figured out how to do a version of it that works you can just rebrand it and just call it the same thing even if it's not yes even that just, just because the current of... name fun touch is abominable i hate it <laughs> i hate it so awful. much <laughs> just I call, give I me the it. same software but call it origin os and you know i'll give yeah, you an extra half star in i do not care yeah uh, <laughs> i've often wondered with the kind of frequent shift when chinese phone makers bring their phones to international markets and basically go through the same process all of them together yeah of basically stripping out ads, stripping out bloatware. Do Chinese customers not want that as well? 
Like, are they just conditions to expect it, and that's why that, that it doesn't change locally, or is it? I do, I've always found that so strange that yes, totally. That's always the process for new Chinese brands that go up and and branch out internationally. There are obviously aesthetic quirks that I can see and, and senses of you know intuitive yeah. ways to lay out a settings menu that I could see would be different. But stuff like I don't want bloatware, you would feel would be universal, right? I yeah, don't understand yeah, why exactly. the, apparently the Chinese audience is happy to have all this extra crap installed on their phones and, and ads. And, you know, one of the ones that I've seen on Vivo phones in the past that I hate is even as recently as the, the AX70 Pro I looked at just before Christmas was a little an app that looks like a folder with four apps in it. And oh, if you yeah. tap on it, it's just called Hot Games. And there's another one that's identical yeah, yeah. called Hot Apps. So many phone And they take yeah. you into an app store to buy those hot games. And there's nothing actually what? installed there. It's just a shortcut to buy yeah. this whatever crap they're trying to advertise at you. Uh, infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. Do not want. No. Anyway, <laughs> so th- this has a lot less of that. There's still a bit, but less than I thought. I think and, uh, the uh, most gratuitous ads are gone on this. There's just still that kind of thing of there's lots of Vivo's own apps that I would love to uninstall but can't. Yeah. Uh, and things like that. So that's what I'd hope to see change going forwards. But yeah, I like the V23 Pro. I'm I'm moving on to the V23 soon to give that a, a run through, though they are very, very, very similar phones in hardware. So I, I think my sure. thoughts are probably going to be very similar. And they have the, I think the, they have the same selfie camera, but different rear cameras. So the selfie camera thoughts will be the exact same for both, which is it's good, but is it good enough for a phone that's going to, push itself as a selfie phone yeah right i think that's enough on that let's move on to looking ahead a bit let's take samsung first so the s22 series is coming we have talked about this on the pod before a few months ago but obviously there have been a lot more rumors since the biggest is that now we think we know when the s22 range is launching uh, latest rumors are february 8th uh, just today there was some uh, a february 9th date came out but I think people are kind of wondering if that's just a case of different markets having slightly different launch dates because that was it maybe that it's Feb nine for China and Feb eight for the rest of the world or something like that. But everyone seems to agree around that point is when we are going to see the S twenty two series announced and probably the Tab S eight series alongside them. Uh, the S twenty twos, a lot of what we're expecting is kind of what you'd expect. There's going to be three phones: an S twenty two, an S twenty two plus and an S22 Ultra. I think as we mentioned before, there was some speculation the S22 Ultra might be called the S22 Note. I think that's mostly gone away, and everyone seems to have settled mm. into the idea that Ultra will still be the brand name. But the fact that they considered calling it Note is still reflected in the design, which it looks very different to the other two phones, and obviously it has an S Pen stylus that slots in much like a Note. So the S22 and the S22 Plus basically look like the S21s. And in fact, more than the S21s, they look like the S21 FE because they're going to have the color matching camera module rather than the contrasting blingy camera module. Uh, But they do also have a contrasting metal frame rather than the wraparound of the A-series body. So it definitely feels like the S21 FE is the closest indication based on the renders we've seen. I think, yeah, that's the best look at what this thing they're probably going to look like. Um, which I like. Yeah, I I, th- I I like it, and I think it's a step up in design compared to the S21. So I'm I'm very happy with that. The other interesting note on on that side is we're now seeing repeated leaks saying that they are finally going back to glass bodies for the 
uh, 22 and the 22 plus, which I yeah. think, if nothing else, <laughs> is really important to differentiate it from the S21 FE. Because the launches yeah. are so close, the price points are probably <laughs> going to be pretty close, the specs are going to be fairly close. And I think, if nothing else, the idea that someone can go and see them both in a store next to each other and be like, well, why should I spend an extra couple hundred for for the S22 and the S21 FE is right here? Pick them both up and go, oh, well, this one feels a lot nicer. You know, this one feels so much more premium. And although we're talking about weight and yeah. light phones being good, it'll probably be a little bit heavier because glass has that effect, you know. So I think that will be a way that they justify the price jump up to the, the 22 series. Uh, it, it, I'm, it is a bit of a funny walk back having done two years of plastic bodies and then go back to glass. I'm sure they want... Like, these are fine. Yeah. Plastic's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely no way they'll like it's announce not. it like that. It will be announced as if they've never had a glass body before and this amazing innovation putting glass on the back yep. of the phone. They're going to do an Apple with the MacBook Pro. Yeah. They're just going to re-announce the exact same thing but like, we've just come up yeah. with this. Guys, this is amazing. <laughs> We've got a really convenient row of keys along the top now. It's got don't ports. Put that into the world. <laughs> Touch bars on a phone. I don't need that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the S22 and 22 Plus are going to look pretty familiar. The S22 Ultra looks a lot, lot more like a Note. I do still find it funny that everything we've seen about this suggests this phone just looks like it doesn't belong in the same range, which is such a strange decision. The, the sort of squared off top and bottom and rounded sides are a classic note design but like the camera model is totally different that contour cut corner camera isn't there on the ultra model instead they've got this kind of teardrop style set of of four or five lenses sitting the on P. the back <laughs> uh, yeah there was this funny phase where it, because all the leak stuff and all the renders you see online around these leaks that always comes from uh, sort of CAD leaks and and mm. you know, you know, spec info. So people often know roughly what something's going to look like, but not all the details. And so people knew there were these five lenses laid out there, but not really <laughs> how that was going to look. So there was this strange spate where it was like, oh, they're going to look like this. And it kind of, people started calling it the P design. And then someone else said, no, no, it's like that, but they're not going to join up in the middle. There's going to be two distinct lines of camera models. So new renders came out and they were like, ah, oh, yeah, well, this is the 11 you know, camera model, slightly <laughs> different. And someone else said, no, 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 each camera is on its own, you know, bit. There's no connecting module. And that was the water up in this. Different renders coming out with each of these three and no one really knew, but everyone seems yeah, to be because I'm going, I'm going through leaks and stuff like that to try and find photos of each of these photos to show on the stream. And every single image of the, of the S22 Ultra that I've seen looks different. And I'm like, yes. which, one is the, which one is the one that I put up? I don't know. <laughs> the most recent aesthetic, though, does make me think, was this the the note design that never happened. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It just because that would explain its difference from the S22 and 2 Plus, if you will. Feels feels like something like that. I, I really I, I like both these designs. I I don't love the look of the Ultra, but I like it. But I just do not understand the market sense in having it look like it doesn't belong with the other phones. Mm. It's really strange to me why you wouldn't try and have the same camera design across all three whichever way around you do it and the same chassis design so that they look of a piece if they are all going to be s22 branded if the pricing if there's a disparity in the pricing between the plus and the ultra that might be why that i could see them doing that to kind of help with that differentiation be like this is yeah 800 pounds this is 1200 pounds. i guess there's like, like pros the and cons it, it illustrates that this is a step above the other two because yeah. they they've now for a while kind of set it down to this rhythm where 
the regular and the plus are the same phone in different sizes the specs are identical across them except battery size because there's a bit more room in the plus model and you know we're expecting to see the same here and then the ultra is a different beast so maybe they do feel like it's time that they need a visual signifier to show that it's a different beast but i feel like just the fact that it's got the stylus and the others don't does a lot of that yeah. job for you the yeah, would be bigger enough. than the others the fact it's got ultra in the name i don't know that you need to make it look totally different uh and it just looks a bit weird and lazy and you know i hate to go back to apple or something but can you imagine Apple putting out a range of iPhones where they all look the same, but they do the Pro Max and it's just got a completely different design language to the other three phones? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just, we've just we just come from talking about the Vivo phones where that's part of the differentiation is just one is straight and one is curved. Yeah, like... but it was enough that I got the two out and at I, I, first I thought one of them must be the wrong phone because I was like, well, these aren't, you know, <laughs> well, something's yeah. gone wrong. One of these is completely Dissonance. different to the other one. And then yeah, you realize, oh yeah. no, they are right. Everything else is the same. The color's the same. The camera's the same. But having such a different aesthetic and design language just makes you think well, these don't these aren't of a piece they aren't arranged these are separate things and i know i know probably the average the buying public isn't as worried about phone ranges as we are but still yeah. it seems strange to me here's an odd choice um so the other big news was the exynos 2200 which is samsung's mm. new chip which was expected to launch last week uh, I think we spoke about this briefly on the show. It was set to launch on, I think, the 11th, and then it just didn't. And they took down all the <laughs> social media posts saying it would. And it was all a bit weird, and everyone was speculating what on earth had gone wrong. Um, and then they said, well, we will announce it. We'll announce it with the phone. So we were thinking, all right, well, we'll have to wait till February for the phone launch. And then with no warning whatsoever, they just announced it. <laughs> this week, <laughs> well, oh, no, here it is. Surprise. I was like, oh, okay. So it was ready. I, I do not know what happened there. Anyway, so my internal narrative is someone didn't get the memo that they were pulling stuff. So they're like, oh, shoot, I didn't post my Exynos 2022 article. So they posted it. And then Samsung was like, it's live. It's live. Yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> Throw everything it's out up. now. Like, who knows? I mean, it's happened bolted. before. <laughs> <laughs> so what we've got here is a new chip that uses it's got the same architecture as the Snapdragon HM1 and the MediaTek Dimensity 9000. More and more these is sort of consolidating. So it has exactly the same core setup in the cpu where you've got one cortex x2 and then the same set of performance and efficiency cores as the others samsung doesn't reveal its clock speeds generally and hasn't again this time so we don't know how the clock speeds compare to those two big rivals uh, for reference the dimensity clock speeds are a bit higher than the snapdragon um, and we yeah we don't know where samsung fits into that picture so cpu side broadly it's going to be similar to the other two um, early yeah, I can't speak at all. Early benchmark <laughs> results uh, that have leaked again, not official from Samsung ones, but leaked ones, suggest that it's maybe the weakest of the three in CPU. And mm. um, one result even showed no CPU improvements over last year's Exynos, and that it was even lagging that's a bit behind saw, yeah. the 888. I'm hoping that's kind of a slightly erroneous benchmark score, and it will be pre-release hardware no matter what. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that. But it is fair to say that the, the the leaked benchmarks we have don't inspire huge amounts of confidence <laughs> on the CPU side. At least they don't suggest that this is going to be the fastest of the three and leaps and bounds above the others or anything like that. Uh, but it's the GPU side that's exciting because this is the first Samsung chip to feature the fruits of their collaboration with AMD. So the GPU is based on AMD's oh, RDNA2 yes. architecture, uh, which... Most interestingly, means that this is, I believe, the first smartphone GPU to feature ray tracing, uh, which it is, is yeah. really cool. That. And 
I guess we still have to see how that plays out in terms of practical usage, how many games can take advantage, how well yeah. it can rate. Which rates. games? Yeah, are that, jump, like... uh, yeah. This is the thing. It's, it's, it's all well and good having ray tracing, but who's developing these features for the one phone that has it? Yeah, on and half of like, the versions of that yeah. phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Samsung will have like they're partnered up with like one developer to make sure like one good 3D game has yeah. a ray tracing option in the settings, and that'll be it. That'll be the demo they have on stage. Yeah. That'll be the one mm-hmm. game you'll only be able to play until it's available on other chips on other yeah. devices. And, in, like, and it will be. There'll be more ray tracing. They'll all have oh, ray yeah. tracing yeah. next later, year, later. and then all the games will start adding it in slowly, or at least all the sort of ones that are targeting high performance. The same thing as it was on desktop, wasn't it? Like when, like when NVIDIA first and, brought and, it out, and from the mobile it took side, a while. it's like the same as when high refresh rate displays came in and no game supported it. And you'd get manufacturers partner with, you know, specific manufacturer make a partnership with Fortnite so that Fortnite will run at high refresh rate on one phone and that kind of thing. One plus. And eventually it just rolls out <laughs> to everyone because now all phones have high refresh rate, basically. I guess this is not, this is a, a slippery slope to kind of go down this path, but I'm going to do it anyway, <laughs> which Ooh. is. Unlike refresh rate, which has a tactical advantage, even in mobile games, because there are competitive mobile games, ray tracing is fundamentally an aesthetic thing, right? It just makes the game look prettier. Mm -hmm. And that is to help with immersion is what the kind of leap in logic I would present. I find that gaming on mobile is inherently not immersive because it is a small screen here. I get with a PC why you'd want ray tracing, because if you're already in a, you know, curved monitor or in a TV, that's way more immersive than being able to game on a 6.5 inch 6.7 inch display yep. so this does genuinely feel like something was like ray tracing is the buzzword in gaming and gpus right now and has been for the past few years we need to get it on a phone like that's that's the only reason i think it's there if it is going to be there that's yeah that's my take and i don't know whether there's a lot of point in it even if more games support down the line cool if it's easy to do fine but uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a reason like mobile gamers, even mobile gamers that niche will be like clamoring over one another to get this feature. Maybe more interesting uh, if um, I'll admit I actually haven't personally been following the Tab S8 leaks too closely, um, though it has mm. leaked extensively. I'm not sure if the Exynos 2200 is also expected to feature in those. Oh, that um, might be cool. But the Tab S8 Ultra that's tipped to have a 14 inch display that makes sense to me. You know, ray tracing on an Android game on a 14-inch tablet, like that, you know, kind of solves that query, I guess. Um, yeah. Obviously, that's a pretty niche product, but, you know, you can see it. Either Somebody way, will I mean, want it. Ray tracing is coming to mobile. <laughs> that's been on the cards yeah. forever. Uh, it's just been a matter of time. Samsung gets the kudos of doing it first. Uh, how much it matters, we'll see. Uh, I, I, they haven't been bullish in partnerships yet as far as I've seen, but I'm sure that will come. I think the challenge is going to be that regional variation because they can't go too hard on saying, get ray tracing on the S22 yeah. because, well, if you buy it in America, you won't get that. Um, yeah. And this does, though, maybe explain some of the reports we'd had before. So, you know, to recap, generally speaking, we get regional variation in these chips where it's uh, the the European and some other markets get Exynos and the US and some other markets get Snapdragon chips. And broadly speaking, it's people with the Exynos phone wishing they had the Snapdragon phone. That's 90% of the time yeah. away it goes around and you get yeah. Europeans <laughs> moaning they can't get a Snapdragon handset. Um, one of the funny little things we'd seen in a lot of the reporting around the S22, this was from months ago, so it may be out of date or incorrect, we don't really know. 
but there was speculation that several American um, carriers had wanted to have the Exynos version and that there would be carrier-exclusive S22s in the US with Exynos while the rest of the US market got the Snapdragon. So it wouldn't be quite as clear-cut anymore which way around it was. At the time, there was a little bit of amusement. It was kind of like, well, you could see a European network fighting to yeah. have an exclusive Snapdragon because there's kudos among nerds to that. There was a bit of a, why on earth would anyone think an Exynos was a selling Exynos, point in the yeah. States? But actually, if once you had the ray tracing in, if that was kind of the angle they were going to take with it, especially if they did line up by the time of the global launch of the phone, some sort of high profile game partnership like COD Mobile. It's got, they've done stuff with Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah, they've done stuff with COD Mobile in the past, so that mm. wouldn't surprise me. And that is probably one of the few games it would actually do well Exactly. In. So if they can go and say, right, the S22 has ray tracing on COD Mobile, but only if you buy it from Verizon, suddenly you can see why Verizon would want to pay a lot of money for that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it begins to, to fall in. But equally, they're going to have a, a messy time marketing the ray tracing angle if half yeah. their phones or more than half of the yeah. units there's they going to be a lot of asterisks in their market material yeah <laughs> yeah and and to loop back to the benchmarking scores for the cpu stuff namely especially the ones where it like looks like it's comparable to last year's chips effectively yeah. i would only be okay with that if there was a huge uptick in power efficiency yes. that comes from that yeah which there might be that, yeah. none of these leaked benchmarks have shown yeah anything about battery performance. It's also yeah, saying can't really. th there were also leaked GPU benchmarks and they were similarly unimpressive, but that just mm. seems is possible. You know, first gen of this GPU hardware, they might have just not really nailed it, but it does seem a bit unusual yeah. that the benchmarks would be so, you know, again, just comparable to last year's yeah. stuff on the GPU side. So I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock in, in them yet, but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, the other like little wrinkle is that we had our first price leak the other day. Um, and this is a little concerning because this came, I want to say, from uh, yeah, a leaker called Chun on Twitter who claimed that every... He gave American pricing for the series and claimed that every model is getting a $100 price hike compared to the S21s, Ooh. which will be a little bit of a hard sell. And that does yeah. explain the move back to glass to some extent, because that is a big added mm. cost. And if they've just decided, everyone said they were running too close to their FE pricing. And if their response, we all thought the FE was priced too high. I still think the FE is priced too high. I like it, but it's too expensive for what it is. Yeah. Um, but we were, there was also this kind of, how on earth are they going to justify the S22 being only $100 more? Like no one will buy the S21 FE if it's only 100 more to get a new S22. But yeah from this leak it will be $200 more to get the S22 which makes the S21 FE a better buy by comparison and does maybe justify the the move to glass and things like that and it all kind of falls together but so I I could believe do not, this don't like I don't it. like it but I could believe it <laughs> no right? do not like it but if, if memory serves the S21 range was made cheaper than the S20 range right so is it just a kind of an inverted yes they had, a, price, they had a price yeah. drop i can't remember <laughs> if it was the 21s or the 20s that were the range that first yeah, got a price maybe. drop but they did have a year-on-year -year price drop recently and this some seems to just be them undoing that um and to be fair s series sales kind of slumped a bit and maybe they were cutting their price to try and turn that around and maybe said that didn't work so why sell them for cheaper if it's not well, going to sell more less? of them if you know we sell the same amount anyway we might as well charge more 
and yeah. maybe there is still a sense that having a higher asking price adds to the feel that they're premium, they're fancy, you know, and and they may maybe worry the they were cheap of the whole it. thing. Exactly, yeah. Um, you don't necessarily want to make it too cheap because it stops looking as impressive and exciting that way. Yeah, I think the plastic back had a big part of that as well. Yeah, they just didn't. It didn't feel the same in the hand, did it? Yeah, exactly. yeah. It, I think I don't know anyone who was like, "Oh, I'm so glad they've switched to plastic." No. <laughs> in the review, I mean, I think there's some questions about sometimes plastic is a bit more durable. Uh, you know, yeah. at least yeah, less for sure. It's flexible. It's not going to crack. But yeah, shatter. Other like, than that, the same way. people want glass, and I think on a high end phone, and you could never argue yeah, that the S exactly. series wasn't trying to be high end. You just it felt a bit inexcusable, really, to to go with plastic. And with the price cut, it was okay. But um, I can see them; they seem to just be consciously deciding to move this back up a little further into the premium tier with the kind of decisions they're making here, which I think is an interesting move. I think it. I don't like it. I think it might be the right move for them to make money. But I would agree. You know, regardless, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, um. We're running out of time, so we should start talking about Apple before we completely run out of time because, yeah, we also are expecting some Apple stuff on the way. Obviously, we are not about to get the iPhone 14 this spring. Um, but Spoiler. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are probably expecting some sort of Apple spring event at some point. Um, yeah. Lewis, what are we looking forward to? I think a new iPhone SE, a new iPad yep. Air. Is there anything else? Uh, iPad Air, iPad Pros. Okay. Um, yep. they're, they're a possibility. Yeah, and there's also talk about the MacBook Air redesign. Um, oh, is this the that one? one? I, yeah, I've got a feeling it will come later, but there are whispers say, yeah, on half, you know, on track for the first half of 2022, mm. something like that. So that would be a logical I mean, that place to announce be one it. event, though. That's too many things for one event. This is the thing. Yeah, yeah it's not all going to. It's not. I mean, some you know, Apple does do weird things sometimes. They'll just press release some of this stuff. It won't even have an event, and it'll just be a random Tuesday. And I send out an email. But by the way, there's a new iMac. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, Thanks. cool. So uh, yeah, there is a chance that not all of them will come at the event. Yeah. That, that is something that should be said. So, uh, but for the the candidates for the event, yeah, it's the iPhone SE, a uh, new uh, the third gen iPhone SE. It's the iPad Airs and the iPad Pro. Cool. iPad Pro is almost definite because that is its slot. It but, does yeah. an, an, an early year refresh and it has done for the past few years. The iPad Air is a little bit more sporadic because... That was 2020 got, was the last one, is that right? Yeah, it was 2020 and then before that it was canned, wasn't it? It, it didn't have nothing for about yeah. five years. So like it went from 2014 to 2020 and then, yeah. Uh, but obviously that's in need of... So let's just, let's just break it down by product. So let's just go one by one. So let's start with the iPad Air sure. uh, because that is probably one that needs an update uh, to stay relevant because... You know, it, it got the redesign in 2020. Everyone loved it. It looked great. And then the mini came along in 2021, also with the redesign at a similar price, but also with a better camera, a better processor, and mm. 5G. Hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the iPad Air 5, everyone's expecting it just to kind of correct those issues. It'll, it'll come with a faster processor. It'll come with 5G instead of 4G, and it will have that center stage tech in the nice. uh, front-facing camera, so it will track you as you move around the room. Um, and they, yeah, those are the things. Yeah, those are the only things it really needs. To be fair, the iPad Air is a solid tablet, and in most respects, that's the one I, I recommend to most people. Even yeah. with those drawbacks of the current one, it's still a very good tablet. It um, is top of Tech Advisor's chart, even with all the minis and the pros that we've reviewed. Yeah, since. it is. Like, it's the go-to <laughs> recommendation. Are they still um, they're still kind of safe on on iPads around that price? I mean, we've spoken a lot about the Android tablets coming back, and it is gradually happening, but. Yeah. Slowly enough that it's still the case that if Apple puts out a slightly yeah, updated sure. iPad Air, it will still be the best at Apple price point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't need to put a lot of effort in now. They've done that with, no, with the redesign. Now they're, they're still going to the, the sticks by which other tablets are measured. Yes, and that exactly. will be for a while, I think, yet. 
So yeah, that's uh, that's going to come. And they're saying no because obviously it jumped up in price with the redesign. They're saying it's going to be around the same price as the last one. You know, maybe minor fluctuations uh, from currency exchanges and stuff, but around the four seven nine, I think it is around that mark yeah, for right. the iPad Air, off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, that's one. Uh, let's move on to the iPad Pros because that's another one that's uh, that gets yeah that gets a yearly annual update and that always happens. It's happened in spring for the last few years and they've kind of settled after a sporadic first few years. They weren't doing yearly updates and then they were kind of at different times of the year. But yeah, last few years it's been uh, spring. Uh, this one, I mean, you know, the the 2021 range was impressive. So you've got mini LED tech on the bigger 12.9 inch model. Um, they come running Apple's M1. Mm-hmm. You know, the the chipset, their desktop chipsets. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, where do you really go from there? Like you, you, you kind of hit a ceiling with with tablet technology. I guess we get the new display tech Pro. on the smaller one. So yeah, so yeah, the the, the um the rumors are so you'll get the mini LED on the 11 inch model. Yeah. Um, the processor is probably going to be one of the new Pro models yeah. processors. Um, because I can't see them going back to like an A series chip after going into yeah. the M1. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So yeah, M1 Pro, M1 Pro Max. Uh, sorry, Pro Max, M1 Max. Um, uh, and so th- there's another interesting one. They're saying it's going to bring something like MagSafe to the iPad. Um, obviously, it's it's a little bit difficult at the moment because the thing's made out of metal. Uh, so they, they, there was design rumors at one point that said they're going to change the whole iPad to glass because that's a good idea. No. Thankfully, that's now been that's not happening. That's that was just uh, one of those. That was just one of those early rumors. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm so thankful because I could not think of anything worse than having an all glass oh, no, no, tablet. No, no, no. I don't want. Oh, that. imagine dropping. Yeah. Imagine dropping an iPad Pro with made out of glass. My whole, oh, uh, I've like, just got visions of glass shards everywhere in slow motion. It's horrible. <laughs> so, uh, but the problem is, it's not completely gone <laughs> because there is still. They're saying there is going to be glass on the back, but within the Apple logo itself. So that it can um, it can pass and receive wireless charge, so it can do reverse wireless charging. Yeah, interesting. It's 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 definitely a nice way um, of kind of hiding all the tech. And they're saying there's going to be magnets in it, so it'll align. But they're not saying it's MagSafe. So I think maybe it'll be a a bigger version of MagSafe. MagSafe Plus. Brand it differently somehow. If it was to fit inside the current average size of an Apple logo on the back of an iPad, it would have to be a smaller magnet or they'd have to make a huge apple logo yeah i i imagine they're gonna they're gonna crank it up a little bit in in size to kind of accommodate for that kind of there was actually saying i I completely forgot this one um they were talking about changing the rotation of the apple of the apple logo on the back yeah so uh, yeah because the um a lot of people apparently use ipad pros in in landscape so it kind of looks a bit weird having the orientation in portrait but they're going to leave the camera module where it is apparently i'm quite happy about that because it just it just starts getting a bit complicated then um but yeah, so so what we're seeing from the iPad Air is is you know a, a not a huge redesign, not a huge change or anything like that. But it doesn't need to. It's it's the most you know it's, it's the best performing tablet out there. The keyboard is great. Uh, you know the accessories are perfect. So there's not really much. You know, yeah, no massive surprises there. Um, one big surprise. Well, for some, it depends on how closely you've been following these rumors. Uh, is the iPhone SE the third gen iPhone SE? Yeah. Um, because for a while, everyone was saying that, you know, the current SE is the last one to have that form factor. The next SE is going to have a bigger display. It's going to look something more like the iPhone 11 kind of form factor with the uh, the notch and no home button and all that lovely stuff. And everyone's like, yeah, I think, you know, it's been a few years that the main lines had that. I'm sure it's it's time to kind of push that onto the, the budget friendly line. Uh, and there were, there were rumors, there were leaks that said, yeah, that's happening. And to be fair, 
the leaks do still say that's happening but not until 23 or 2023 or 24 yeah. so <laughs> so what we've got instead is basically the exact same iphone se that we've got at the moment but with a few little tweaks one uh, the most obvious should be 5g it, last year's one didn't ship with 5g this one this year's one will probably ship with 5g mm-hmm. crazy uh, and then they'll probably update the uh, processor because last year's one reflected the iPhone, the flagship iPhone at the time. So yep. it'll probably have an A15 in it. Um, cool. But, oh, and they're saying that it might actually support night mode this time around because Thank it didn't goodness. support night yes. mode before. Which was and no one so quite work out why. obnoxious. Yeah. No legitimate so reason. To throw in no. the same camera and make a big fuss about <laughs> using the same chipset and then say, oh, but it can't do yeah. night mode. There's too, there's too much to do night mode now. <laughs> the other thing that I don't think is covered is the display. Have they talked about upping the display? Because it's a sub full HD panel on the current SE. Yeah. It's, the it's exactly. such a small panel, I, which, but why? I mean, you can't even tell. It's, tiny, it's minuscule. But for the price, you're like, come on. I, I yeah, have it's, to say, it's, um, it's, like, I reviewed the SE 2020. And she was saying last year's model, yeah. but now it's two years ago that phone was. God, yeah. yeah. So yeah, forgot there it was one, a twenty twenty yeah. spring twenty twenty that one came out, so it'll be a two year gap when this one follows. Um, in twenty twenty, that design was laughably outdated. <laughs> in twenty twenty two, it's almost it's unbelievable. Bad. And I appreciate yeah, it... it's their budget one, but even a budget Android, you'd probably have to go back now three years to find a budget Android phone with that kind of design language at least and that's when i say budget i mean a hundred pound android phone if you want to say a 400 pound one 400 one to match the se pricing you'd be going back four or five years to find a kind of 400 android phone that looked broadly like that kind of se big chunky bezels on the top. it's this weird thing that apple kind of does at its budget range i like you know we all know that apple is a company that likes to do the premium Mm. and it does the bare minimum at the budget and and it's just, yeah, it, it's it's happened with the iPhone SE and it also happens in the Apple Watch line. Like, they're still selling the Apple Watch uh, Series 3. Yeah. Like, that is ancient. That watch has been out for years at this point. It will not, like, I had an Apple Watch Series 4 and that did not run WatchOS 6 very well. So I can't imagine what the 3 is like running 8 now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's still the one they're like, yeah, if you want a cheap Apple Watch, this is this will do everything you need. And I think they, they do need to kind of, you know wobble their heads a little bit and be like you can't do this anymore you know it's not it's not 10 10 years ago you know android phones especially at the budget level are so competitive now you can't just sit on your hands and be like well it's an iphone people will buy it i do i do wonder the only the only thing i can think to really justify this other than it's apple being cheap and it's apple realizing they can build a phone for 50 bucks and sell it for 400 and you know the amazing profit margins on these or something like that other than that, the, the only the charitable explanation I give is maybe they know that there's a big chunk of iPhone owners who don't want to move to the notch, who don't want to give up the home button and all of that, who are clinging to the old, not the design language per se, but the usability no. of having the button. Yeah. And they think, and they, I say think, I'm sure they would have, you know, focus groups and market research to tell them that they have a big audience who want to buy an iPhone that works like their old iPhone does and are not ready to make the jump to swiping up for everything. The problem with that is... I mean, is those people are also always, the people that don't care. Yeah, to some extent the people who care, but also they will always be there. They'll still be the same people two years from now, you know, in 2024, also saying, wait, no, I don't want my new iPhone SE to, you know, not have a button. 
So Apple either needs to always make a backwards looking <laughs> old piece of tech to cater to that audience, or it just needs yeah. to say, look, at some point, these people need to come with us into not even the future, but into five years ago uh, and catch up with the way phones <laughs> into work. the past. And, and, you know, Apple of all companies has the marketing ability and, you know, through its Apple stores and everything, the kind of tech support system to help shepherd people onto, yes, this is yeah. how phones work now. They changed a bit, but it's okay. You know, it's still an you iPhone. Still do the it same still thing. works yeah. the same as the way you think it will. All your apps are still you just there. Swipe. You just swipe now. <laughs> so it's, it's a bad excuse to cling onto it, especially because I mean, it's not like you can then say, Ah, oh, all those people who love a home button, the iPhone drops it, and they're all going to go buy the Samsung that, no, it also doesn't have a home button. No, they'll go to uh, Xiaomi. Oh, wait. Oh, no, Xiaomi doesn't have... <laughs> like, there's nowhere else these people are going. So if you yeah, take yeah. the button away from them, Apple. they're either not going to buy a new phone, but at some point they're going to have to buy a new phone, or they're going to yeah. stick with Apple, because these are clearly people resistant to change, so they're going to stay with Apple no matter what. So <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't wash. The other potential weird niche group they could be appealing to with this phone is those people who were like the iPhone 12 mini and 13 mini were the best phones of the lineups mm. and I can't believe you've taken away for, for this year. <laughs> I so need a small screen a small iPhone. iPhone yeah. There's your small the iPhone. Notch, this is what I said around, you know, when they did the <laughs> SE2 years ago and I asked if they do do this and I'll be saying it again in a few months. But like, I, I what I liked about that SE was the size. I thought it was a yeah. great size. I just wanted that size yeah. with a full screen full and screen. no notch. Yeah, exactly. and, and if they put that up, they can totally say the SE is the mini. You know, it's A, our yeah. cheap phone, and B, for those people who really wanted a mini, but they clearly weren't actually willing to buy them. But like, there is one. If, if really the main driver for them is a small iPhone, we do make that. They just have to sacrifice some other features as well to get it. And, you know, it's also a budget model. Cool, great. I'm all for Apple putting out uh, a phone the same overall body dimensions as the 2020 se great yeah just why can't the screen fill that yeah the Lewis, screen is is really the, the massive pain point with that phone i think yeah. it's even for, even for the time like even when the first gen se came out well actually sorry uh that one came out and it was just so pitifully under res compared to like everything else and and the lcd when like it should be oled for yeah this is what i mean well. yeah it's it's like, basic like and that was the phone. That was this is the funny thing because that was what was just on the iPhone for years. Like everyone else on the Android side was upgrading to, to OLED and, and higher res displays, and Apple was like, "No, hmm. you don't need 1080. We know we know what you want, and it's not 1080." Yeah. So you got to give them credit the for the courage that they have. It, <laughs> it's like as long as it re retina, it doesn't matter what the resolution. is. It's that retina. Their, their 323 pixels per inch. It's one of the funny <laughs> challenges for Apple. I think uh, in the flagship space they do have competition a bit because I think people are more and more and it does vary by yeah. region aware of the android competition and the iphones oh, yeah. have to keep up obviously tech nerds super are but even everyday users i think people are more and more being aware that they look and see especially with foldables and things like that apple needs to prove mm -hmm. it can keep up and people see android phones with amazing cameras and say wow that's better than my iphone is and, and things like that so they yeah. need to keep up in that space but i do feel like in this kind of budget mid-range space they're almost immune to competition like the se sold great as far as i'm aware and it doesn't matter that even when the SE came out, you could basically, you know, my review at the time was, if you really, really want a cheap iPhone, fine, buy this. It's the cheap iPhone. It's fine. But I could find you, you know, 10 phones on the Android side that are twice as good and half the price. Yeah. But it didn't matter, you know, because the people looking to no. buy it, they don't want an Android. 
So uh, Apple has no competition at that price point. Its competition is old iPhones, <laughs> you know? It's a weird situation to be in, really. Just, like mm. that. Uh, it's an interesting The one. other thing that I don't think we've seen in rumors or leaks has been whether there's... Because last spring they did the purple iPhone Oh yeah, 12, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, are we going to get a new colorway for the 13 series, do we think? I mean, it's a possibility. But so what color do you thing... guys want to see? Yeah, oh, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, because mm. we've got the blue, we've got the Project Red, we've got the kind of ivory white, we've got pink, and we've got the midnight. Or I want the... It was like a kind of khaki green that was on the 11 Pro Max. I was Pro about Max. to say, they've mm-hmm. done some really nice greens before. Yeah, their, their khaki green was so good. That was my favorite one, and I am I would love that on, on the, the Pro and the Pro Max. That would look so nice with a stainless steel band. I mean, I did like the 12 in purple. That was quite nice. But I'd also be up for a yellow again. I always like yellow phones. I, ne- I never really end up using them, with the exception of maybe Back the, in the, day of the 5C. peachy Pixel 6 Pro. But yeah, um, the sunshine yellow of the 11, I think, was uh, was really good. So I want I a like color-changing one. I want one that changes color. Like sure, well, they need to talk to Vivo, don't they? <laughs> that sounds fun. Like, well, I'll just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just want like a, a completely black iPhone as well. Because like, they're, all, they're always well, space like, gray or something off. They're not. They're not actually. Is black. the current black phone? Yeah, black. Yeah. Well, oh, is it actually a black one this year? Yeah. Was it the seven? They did the midnight and the. Piano it was the black ten. It was the like ten. The yeah, piano the piano black, black right, finish. Right. Yeah. Which scratched yes. even in a case. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that, Apple. But a black. Yeah, something, something like that, but more durable. You can see uh, what they were going that. for there, but you'd think they might have say looked at one for a couple of minutes before they started selling yeah. them and realized like, oh, even if no, you breathe <laughs> they looked you at breathe the renders, in the same room as like, one of these phones it will scratch exactly. there'll be dust that just bounces off it and just leaves little lines on yeah. it it's, i've never seen such a delicate it's finish wild. on a phone like it's they do r&d absurd. they must have known this this is what i don't understand How r&d in white gloves oh. <laughs> so strange to the flip side just uh, uh, we were talking more about like the different uh screen uh i guess glass technologies yeah. earlier and like one thing I keep noticing is just how quickly the, which is supposed to be Gorilla Glass Pictures, the Pixel 6 Pro is picking up micro abrasions because they're going to use that and then 12 Pro Max is like day to day. Yeah. And the 12 Pro Max, which I've obviously had since launch, has been perfectly fine. But there's still all these tiny little scratches on the on the Pixel phone. I don't know why because other phones which say they have Victus don't have that problem. So I don't know what Google's done. I, I mean, I can't say why that would be different to other Victus phones. I would say my limited mm. understanding of how Gorilla Glass and, and the like work is that, broadly speaking, the better they are at yes. like shatter resistance and like, one shatter other. resistance makes yeah. them more vulnerable to scratches, yeah. generally speaking. It's kind of hard to yeah. keep yeah. both up at the same time. So yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, you can't really win. Yeah, I, was find, I find that the iPhone is a pretty scratch, a scratchy screen. Like my iPhones always have scratches yeah, on them. That's my understanding, mm. but this has been very good. Ooh. Just been lucky. <laughs> I had a scratch yeah, right down the middle of my 13 Pro Max within a day. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's the saddest thing. I know. Well, when they when they release that lovely khaki green one in a couple of months, you'll be able to replace it. Uh cross. Let's call it let's call it a day for now. Um we will be back for more fast charge next week. Um I think between now and then, the Huawei P50 stuff is launching in, was it Germany they've announced? So there's like one or two countries. Yeah, 26. That it's definitely launching the, in. The Pocket and the P50 Pro, but not the P50. Yeah. Are coming, so, so I'm kind of hoping that means it will be launching in other places that aren't Germany as well. 
I mean, you'd hope. But we'll we'll find a, out. A very specific German <laughs> launch. Either way, at the very least, we'll be having an in-depth discussion of the Huawei P50 Pro's German pricing and its place in the German phone market, about which we know so much. Um, so we'll probably be chatting about next week. I don't know what else, but we'll be back here on YouTube and wherever else you find your podcasts and audio nonsense. Uh, so for now, thank you for watching and or listening. And uh, cheers to Toddy and Lewis for joining me. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. See ya.